Sask Ag Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Ag Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, the Canadian Grain Commission is repealing the harmonization of primary and export tolerances for test weight and total foreign material of all grades of five different classes of wheat. We'll hear from Sask Wheat Chair Brett Halstead, who was very happy to hear the news. The Ice Futures November canola contract may have hit a peak. We'll hear from PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo on that. Manitoba Agriculture has issued its latest crop pest update. Provincial entomologist John Gavlosky will join us on today's program and tell us which insect is causing the most trouble over the past week. And if we have time, we'll also hear from a rancher at Kindersley who attended a drought meeting in that town this week. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture, also known as SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's mainly cloudy here in the Yorkton area right now. Can we expect conditions to change much during the course of the day? Well, the cloudiness isn't thick in all areas, so we will be under what I'll call a variable sky, periods of thicker cloud cover, periods of partial sunshine getting through. And uh, watching the radar right now, there are a couple of sprinkles around. Uh, I guess they have to be more than sprinkles to get shown on radar uh, for them to get picked up, but not much more than that. We're talking some pretty light, very spotty showers uh, sitting over the central parts of the province. So uh, that chance is there through the afternoon. I'll peg it in a 20% chance for a shower uh, at any given spot. And again, unless uh, something drastic changes that I'm not seeing, these will amount to uh, almost nothing, even where they do hit for uh, for amounts of rainfall. 19 degrees are high, the cloud cover limiting us, the cooler air mass also helping out. Even with the full sun, we wouldn't get too much more than that, maybe low 20s. Clearing sky tonight, we're down to around 8, and we'll be under nearly full sunshine for a while tomorrow. And then later afternoon, some cloud cover rolls back in, high of 24. The weather pattern itself is pretty quiet. Uh, there is this area of high pressure that's building almost overhead tonight. That sets up the clear sky, and it drifts eastward tomorrow. By tomorrow afternoon, it's centered, uh, looks like right over North Dakota, but extending in a not quite uh, straight fashion through uh, central and southern Saskatchewan across North uh, North Dakota, Minnesota, catching southern parts of Manitoba, western Ontario. That's the, the high the, the area most impacted by the highs, where there's very little moisture, uh, very little cloud cover. But it is drifting eastward, and that's why during the afternoon we'll likely get a little bit of cloud cover creeping in. Aloft, there's a disturbance that will actually pass right overhead. So when you get this uh, high pressure at the surface and this disturbance aloft, there could be some extra cloudiness that builds up as the system departs, but not enough to overcome that strong high at the surface to produce any showers. So it should be a uh, fine day with the sunshine, and again, at times partly sunny in the afternoon. That's about the worst of our weather. The wind will pick up, though, as the, the uh, high drifts away. 
We'll start to get more of a northwesterly flow strengthening around it during the afternoon, 15 to 30. And then once it finally passes by, the flow turns around into the east for Saturday night. But it's a light wind, and it stays pretty light on Sunday. Mostly sunny. Night 24 Saturday, 25 on Sunday. Pretty close to normal. The uh, nighttime lows, though, single digits for a few nights. Into uh, the week, warm air starts to build back in. As the high moves eastward, there is a rate of high pressure in the upper atmosphere, which is building through the western U.S. and starting to work into western Canada by Sunday. It'll extend eastward toward us by Monday. As it moves in, the warm front could bring a few showers late Monday, Monday night. High of 28 and 30 degrees on Tuesday under a mostly sunny sky, staying warm uh, through a good portion of the week. Most of the reset toward normal likely comes at the very end, Friday into next weekend. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at 18 degrees. Swan River 15. Dauphin and Brandon 17. Show Lake Russell 14. Roblin 16. Regina is at 16 degrees. Saskatoon 17. Hudson Bay 14. Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington 15. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a north-northeast wind at 13 kilometers an hour. 66% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 16 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 24 degrees and dropped to a low of 7 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 25 degrees. The normal low is 11 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 5.09 this morning, and it will set at 8.43 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Cypress River at 30 degrees. The cold spot was Thompson at plus 5 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Estevan at 30 degrees. The cold spot was Coronac at plus 4 degrees. And that's Beef and Forage Report. Variable crop conditions in Alberta and Saskatchewan are contributing to rising feed grain prices on the prairies just weeks away from harvest. Aaron Herakal, trade manager for Agfinity Incorporated in Stony Plain, Alberta, says while conditions in the northern half of Alberta are good in some places, areas around Red Deer and parts of Saskatchewan are quite dry. Demand for feed grains is currently on the quieter side, according to Herakal, as feedlots order more United States corn, which is priced at $270 to $275 Canadian per metric ton. Other feedlots are content with waiting until harvest to buy more grain. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program. And that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. EX94, AgriView. 
Canadian Pacific Kansas City Rail says its first quarter following a major merger was a tough one as wildfires and falling container demand plagued operations across the rail sector. CPKC reports total revenues of $3.17 billion in the quarter ended June 30th, compared with $2.2 billion a year earlier, well before the marriage of North America's two smallest Class 1 railways in April. The Calgary-based railway operator says net income reached $1.33 billion in its second quarter, versus $765 million the year before. It says diluted earnings notched $1.42 per share, above the $0.82 cents per share of the same period in 2022. Chief Executive Keith Creel says the results are challenging, but that long-term growth opportunities are evident given the greater reach of the merged outfit. CPKC's $31 billion U.S. purchase of Kansas City Southern, the continent's first big railway merger in more than two decades, created the only railway stretching from Canada through to the U.S. and Mexico. With port access accounting for nearly three-quarters of Ukraine's grain exports since the Russian invasion, Russia's moves to cut off the Black Sea and attack port infrastructure will effectively stop Ukraine's access to the world. That's one major take from DTN lead analyst Todd Hultman following a webinar on the latest agricultural challenges in Ukraine. Without that Black Sea deal, Ukraine's options for moving major volumes of grain are limited. Pressure continues to mount on Russia to re-establish the Black Sea Grain Corridor, even as Russia is attacking grain infrastructure at ports and farms. African leaders and China each have pressed Russian President Vladimir Putin to reach a new deal to reopen Ukrainian grain exports. Further deterioration in demand for glyphosate-based weed killers led Bayer to cut its full-year earnings outlook and announced a 2.5 billion euro write-down on glyphosate-related assets. In an unscheduled statement late Monday, the German drugs and pesticides maker said it was projecting 2023 earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization adjusted for one-offs to be in a range of 11.3 billion euros and 11.8 billion euros on a currency-adjusted basis, down from 13.5 billion euros reported for 2022. That was lower than a previous 2023 outlook of 12.5 billion euros, or slightly higher. Free cash flow would come in at zero, down from a previous prediction of 3 billion euros, which is due to release detailed second quarter results on August 8th. Based on the anticipated market development, in particular with respect to the glyphosate business, Bayer also expects to record a goodwill impairment of approximately 2.5 billion euros. That would result in a second quarter net loss of 2 billion euros. Law enforcement officials say they seized over 63 kilograms of suspected cocaine from a commercial truck hauling corn into Canada at the Emerson point of entry on the Manitoba-North Dakota border. A team of Canada Border Services Agency dogs found the drugs in a modified compartment in the trailer carrying corn on July 14th. The street value of the drugs is estimated at $6 million Canadian, the largest narcotic seizure at any Manitoba port of entry in the last five years.
The 31-year-old driver, Verinder Koshik of Winnipeg, was arrested and charged by RCMP with importing a controlled substance and possession for the purpose of trafficking. He appeared in a Winnipeg court on July 19th and was released on conditions. U.S. health officials say as many as 450,000 Americans have become allergic to red meat since 2010 because of an illness triggered by tick bites. Alpha-gal syndrome occurs when an infected person eats beef, pork, venison, or other meat from mammals or ingests milk, gelatin, or other mammal products. When a sugar that's in meat from mammals and in tick spit enters the body through the skin, it triggers an immune response and can lead to a severe allergic reaction. Doctors recommend people with the allergy should change their diet, carry epinephrine, and avoid tick bites. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Um. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and 16 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The Canadian Grain Commission is repealing the harmonization of primary and export tolerances for test weight and total foreign material of all grades of five different classes of wheat. This comes after stakeholders raised concerns, including the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Chair of Sask Wheat, Brett Halstead, says it's a good day for farmers. Yeah, we're pleased with the decision to repeal um, the changes, and I think it's really helped that there's been a wide number of farm groups from all different uh, avenues that have spoke out against these changes. So it's um, a pleasant day today to uh, hear that farmers do have a voice yet. He says they had been advocating for a study on the proposed changes. Absolutely. We think when major changes to the grading system are done, we need to know how it's going to affect farmers financially. And there hasn't been issues before with uh, exporting uh, test weights. So we thought that this was an opportunity to see, well, will this affect farmers and by how much? We feel it will, but we don't know by how much. But Halstead will be keeping a close eye on this latest development. Well, it's just to get all the details and uh, make sure everything goes through and we can get our economic study done and um, try and work together on what's best for Canadian farmers. And he's asking the CGC to still go ahead with that study. Yeah, you know, I think that's uh, paramount and part of what we've asked for from the start. If there's going to be changes in the grading system, we want to know how it's going to affect us financially. At the heart of the dispute was bushel weight. Under the current rules, wheat must weigh a minimum of 60.1 pounds a bushel or it will be downgraded to number two wheat. As of August 1st, it would have required that wheat weigh at least 63.3 pounds per bushel to avoid downgrading. The classes of wheat that would have been subject to the changes are Canadian Western Red Spring, Hard White Spring, Extra Strong, Soft White Spring, and Amber Durham, as well as Canadian Northern Hard Red. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 178.15, up 10. October live cattle closed at 179.60, also up 10. 
August feeder cattle closed at 245.60, up 95. September feeder cattle closed at 248.97, up 70. August lean hogs closed at 103.20, that's up 117. October lean hogs closed at 85.02, up 177. And that's the livestock market conditions. The ice futures November canola contract may have hit a peak after rising the last two months to a high of about $850 a metric ton on July 20th. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says canola is down about $10 a ton this week, but the slight drop is nothing to be worried about. I believe that there is, you know, it definitely is supportive news for canola to go higher, but right now it's not going to be, I think, a straight line kind of up every single day. I think that's where markets are healthy when we do take a bit of a pullback here. So support I do have for the November contract is close to that 780 level. I don't expect it to get all the way down there, but again, there are other factors to watch. Uh, kind of one being on kind of the soybean side of things here. There is, I would say, a little bit more on the bearish kind of news when it comes to weather, the rains are starting to kind of, uh, you know, improve a little bit of the outlook, but uh, yield losses do continue on the soybean side. So we have seen kind of uh, a downside breakout to eight-day lows on the soybean side of things. And really, I think, again, the trends are kind of lower on the beans and to bean oil a little bit. But when looking at wheat, um, we did actually see the September Minneapolis contract increase approximately 10 cents a bushel here uh, this week. It was up quite a bit more, um, you know, on some news from kind of the drone strike on kind of Ukrainian ships. And then again, kind of we saw a large sell off from that uh, that volatile day. He outlines the supportive news for canola. You know, it's really when it comes to the the weather side of things. So I'm talking with my clients kind of throughout the prairies, the crop really isn't looking that good. And, you know, whenever that starts to happen kind of this early on with really rains needed in quite a few areas, uh, I think that's why we saw a lot of kind of short covering and buying here over the last couple months. So, uh, however, what I've been doing is really talking with clients to see... You know, is it worth to add some protection strategies on at these levels? A lot of farmers, again, they didn't uh, pre-sell too much because they were scared that they didn't have a crop. And, you know, that's great. They may probably remembered uh, what happened, you know, at a few years ago and in, in, in the last couple of years even uh, with kind of getting caught with grain contracts. So uh, a lot of farms, I think, did wait this year and not forward sell that much. Uh, and, you know, this is, however, now when, you know, the put options can kind of come in because you don't have that production risk. So if if maybe the crop could turn around here, uh, that's when options might be able to give you at least some protection kind of now, and then you know that uh, you at least have locked in this price. Pacallo notes dry conditions in North America are also affecting wheat prices. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that's 
just one factor. The hard red uh, kind of wheat quality council in the States, they did a tour uh, that just actually ended kind of this week. And uh, the three-day average yield that they came out with was uh, 47.4 bushels per acre kind of in the U.S., which was down from about 49.1 from last year, uh, but still above the five-year average. So the, the final results were actually considered slightly better than expected. Um, however, spring wheat is, again, under drought conditions, jumped from 12 to 43% in most of North Dakota. Um, so again, it, it isn't looking very good in terms of those uh, kind of those areas. So I think there's just a lot of areas, whether it's in Canada or in the U.S., that don't look good. And, you know, if funds don't want to be on the, the short side or, bet, or betting the market's going down when there's a lot of these kind of reports coming out the crop might not be what everybody thought. And he provides his outlook for next week and beyond. Well, next week, again, one kind of factor that we talked about even last week was the the rise in crude oil and the decline in the U.S. dollar. So the U.S. dollar has, it did kind of creep up here in the last week or so, but it's looking like it might want to turn back lower, which I think could be supportive for commodity prices in general. The WTI crude oil is above its 200-day moving average, above $80 here today. Um, So that's kind of trending more positive. And it just looks like in general, too, with the U.S. announcing this week, uh, the Federal Reserve, that they believe that the U.S. could avoid a a recession, which uh, has kind of been the top news for really the whole year is is the U.S., is Canada going to be going to a recession, which they expect the potential to avoid now, uh, which they haven't said that until now. Uh, So the stock market today actually is going significantly higher, which uh, should just be supportive for for buying in general. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. I'll have your commodities update coming up in one minute's time. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at 809.10, down $14.40. January canola closed at 811.70, down $14.10. September Minneapolis wheat closed at 896 per bushel, down eight and a quarter cents. September Kansas City wheat closed at 856 and a quarter down 10 and a quarter cents September Chicago wheat closed at 704 and a quarter down eight and a half cents September corn closed at 521 per bushel down 12 and a quarter cents August soybeans closed at 1486 and three quarters down 45 and a quarter cents September oats closed at 424 and three quarters, down three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Manitoba Agriculture has issued its latest crop pest update. Provincial entomologist Dr. John Gavlosky says aphids are causing issues in Manitoba crops this week. Aphids are something that we started noticing in uh, cereal crops in July. And so there's many different types of aphids that affect many different crops. So the ones that are currently 
economical are uh, a couple of species that like feeding on the cereals, English grain aphid, and there's a second one called the bird cherry aphid. The cereal crops will remain susceptible up until about what we call the soft dough stage. So when things start getting doughy in the seeds, then the plants really aren't susceptible to the aphids anymore. But some of the later cedar crop is still in the milky stages, so it's not quite at the doughy stages yet. And aphid levels have been climbing. And over the past week or two, have gotten to the point where some fields anyway are, are being treated for aphids. He says grasshoppers continue to cause problems as well. Yeah, so the grasshoppers, they're more and more starting to become adults. And as they become adults, they get their wings fully developed and they can move around a bit more. So we've had reports over the past week of some of the pastures needing to be controlled. Uh, grasshoppers needed to be controlled in the pastures and also in some of the uh, cereal crops in the southwest. Gavlosky adds armyworms continue to be an issue in Manitoba. Well, there, there are multiple types of armyworms. The one that I'm referring to in the report is either just called armyworm, or some people will call it cereal armyworm or true armyworm, and it's the one that prefers cereal crops. Uh, we did have some quite uh, large problems with them this year in multiple regions, mainly in cereal crops and forage grasses. They're at the end of their first generation, though, as larvae. So we're, we're not seeing nearly as many larvae anymore. They've, they've turned to pupa, and it appears that some might even be coming out as adults again. So the armyworm issues are diminishing. Usually that second generation that we get isn't as big a deal as the first. So I think our armyworm issues are probably starting to come to an end for the year. He notes some flea beetles are still being reported in canola fields. So flea beetles are at their worst early in the season uh, when the plants are seedlings. But in a few fields, people have noticed especially along the edges, very heavy populations of the crucifer flea beetle feeding on flowering plants. Now, it takes a lot of plants, a lot of uh, flea beetles per plant to do damage when you have bigger plants. But in some of the fields, there are patches where a lot of the plants are covered pretty good in flea beetles, and they're feeding on uh, the flowers and the stems and leaves. So I know there's a few fields where people are keeping an eye on, especially certain patches in the field uh, where the flea beetles are doing some heavier feeding. Gavlosky then provides an update on Bertha armyworm traps in Manitoba. This is the last week of trapping, so the people who are involved in that, they're doing their final counts and removing the traps this week. We've only had uh, one trap that moved out of the low-risk range into the next category, which is uncertain risk. That trap was in the southwest near Waskeda. We've had a couple fields in the Cypress River area where people have noticed higher levels of Bertha armyworm. Aside from that, all the other traps that we had out were all low risk. And again, it's just that one area near Cypress River where people have been noting some higher levels of larvae so far. But now's the time to be checking the canola for the larva just to see what the levels might be like regardless of whether it was a high or low trap count always good to be looking at what's on the ground during the day and if you're scouting for bertha armyworm do note they're a nocturnal caterpillar 
So during the day, they're probably hiding on whatever stubble or debris they can get underneath on the ground. And he reports on a few other insects as well. We do have a few other insects we're keeping an eye on. Uh, banded sunflower moth in sunflowers, but that's more of an eastern issue. Ligus bugs, people are just keeping an eye on levels in a few fields as well. That'd be the other one just to keep an eye on. Dr. John Gavlosky is the provincial entomologist for Manitoba Agriculture, and he's based in Carmen. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer, and SaskAg Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose SaskAg Today. And yes, it is free. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Romblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with a 20% chance of scattered afternoon showers. Winds north-northeast at 10 to 20 and a high of 19 degrees. For tonight, clearing off, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a low of 8. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and afternoon cloud. Winds northwest at 15 to 30, a high of 24, an overnight low of 9. For Sunday, mainly sunny. Winds east-southeast at 10 to 15, a high of 25. For Monday, partly sunny at times with a 40% chance of late showers, a high of 28. And Tuesday, mainly sunny, a high of 30. In the Paw, it's 18 degrees, Swan River 15, Dauphin and Brandon 17, Show Lake Russell 14. Roblin and Regina at 16, Saskatoon 17, Hudson Bay 14, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 15. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky, a north-northeast wind at 13 kilometers an hour. 66% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 16 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg Today for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. SaskAg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.